Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Anisogoma, Salbona, Habargani, Majwo, Nangadef, Indamanesh, Indamana, Peace, War. Pan-African Greetings family, this is Kamal Mukasey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's reascension. As usual, we will open the show with an apai or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go, I go. Inyame, inyame wa, odumakuman, treaty upon, olorun. Amen Ra, Bejeyansa, Asasayansa, Abasunansa, Abasun Poansa, Nana Sergibiansa, Nana Esiketawansa, Nana Dadakofiansa, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre, Yansa, Kweku Freeansa, Nana Kumiansa, Akonade Abenansa, Asubontenansa. Ochewe Wansa, Tamensansa, Oshun Insa, Oya Insa, Ogun Insa, Shango, Shango, Shango Insa, Herukahuti Insa, Jehuti Insa, Maat Insa, Nananum Insamanfu Insa, Insamanfu Abasu Afau Insa, Abasun. Abasu Fawansa. Yeshrimo Yansa. Yeshrimo Ahoden. Yeshrimo Inchera. Yeshrimo Sikapa. Yeshrimo Inquaso. Yeshrimo Inquaso Abasu Fau. Ye Inquaso. I asked Odomakaman and Yame and Yamewa a treaty upon all over him to use me and this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to your soon soon, your spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piafo, Mo Ne Casa. Medase nanano. Yo, medase nanano. All right, welcome again, everyone. This is Kamal McCasey Dehudi, and you 
are at Africa's Reascension. So tonight we are going to discuss, and this will be a multi-part series as well as I look at the information, what I got prepared and what's coming up. This will be multi-tiered. Are we wasting our time with the present masses first approach to organizing? Um, the description, let me read the description that I have here. The way myself and others get into quote-unquote consciousness is by being beaten over the head with the rhetoric of we must awake the masses. Has this approach actually worked? If so, in what ways? If not, is there a better, longer-lasting way to organize that will limit agents from infiltrating our ranks and reducing our works? Over the next few weeks, we will critically look at the masses first approach as well as the non-behavioral change, non-worldview change approach to organizing that presently dominates pro-black, pan-Africanist, and black nationalist circles. These talks will challenge previously well-founding rhetoric and proposed alternatives. These talks will not be for the non-critical people within our ranks, nor will this show be for those who haven't had a new thought in two to three decades. But first, before we get into that, um, I will play a promo and play some music and then share um, a bit of information about a African holiday that has been going on since 1994, predominantly um, on the West Coast. Um, so this may be the first time some folks are hearing about it, and it's coming up this week, and um, I'll share all information about it shortly. Um, Africa's reascension. For those who are in the chat who may want to be a part of this live, our call in number seven six zero four five four one 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 seven six zero four five four one 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 Africa's reascension. Hotep, I'm Shakan Lugu Kemet. Check out Afrostyle. That's A F R O S T Y L Y dot com slash English. If you have not yet seen Introduction to Kemet, you're already sleeping. I don't argue, I state facts. Hence why I check the Hebrew Israelites, the black Muslims, Ali Muhammad, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, the Moors, and many others. No matter what, I never lied on them, disrespected them, nor called them names. I also prove that Allah is not written in hieroglyphics. I thank Brother Holy Psism for the opportunity. Asante and Hotep to all non-religious heterosexual Africans worldwide. Welcome to the desert of the real Peace, family. This is your brother, Holop, a.k.a. Mr. Holipsis, a.k.a. the Buzz Killer. Tune in to Holipsism's Haven every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the social, economic, and political issues of the day with a common-sense approach, an African-centered perspective, and a universal sensibility. Call in number 347-843-4874. That's 347 843 4874. 
To check out related YouTube videos, blogs, and show archives, visit www.holipsism.com. That's www.holipsism.com. I'm making it hard to get your Negro on. Hotep, Black Power. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad.
South African drummer from Amadi Akete. So before we get with the topic, I wanted to share um, an African holiday that will be coming up um, Thursday, November 11th. It is called Nakambuka Day, N-A-K-U-M-B-U-K-A. Nakambuka Day was the brainchild of uh, Jomo Nkombe, a Tanzania living in Canada in 1990. His idea was to remember the victims of the slave trade in East Africa, and upon learning about the um, transatlantic slave trade in the West, he felt those victims should also be remembered. Nkombe decided on the date of November 11th because as the English, French, and Americans honor their unknown soldier, Africans should also honor their unknown warriors who fell resisting slavery. So he met with um, Charles Mende Roach, um, a Canadian Jewish born in Trinidad, and asked him to take the idea to the World Pan-African Movement Conference, which was held in Lagos, Nigeria, in 1992. At that conference, it was resolved that the World Pan-African Conference would promote Nakambuka Day to remember the Ma'afa, the African Slave Holocaust, in which million pe- millions died. Um, oh, I missed that part. Nakambuka is a Swahili term, which means I remember. And um, at that conference was um, Baba Baye Kesba Meira, and Adande Ima Shema, excuse me, Ra, and they were representing the Pan-African Associations of San Diego at that time, they're now the Pan-African Associations of America. And it was resolved from that organization that they um, returned with the mission of observing Nakambuka Day here in the United States. And so Baba Baye created the first Nakambuka Day ceremony and the first observance of it in the U.S., which was held in San Diego, California, November 11, 1994. Uh, Sister um, Dr. Shakina Tete, um, an instructor at San Diego State University, held the first Nakambuka Day ceremony in her classroom on um, San Diego State's campus. And basically it has been going on ever since, um, especially in... California, where where the first observances have been happening since 1994. But then um, a few years ago, I saw some flyers from some folks in Jamaica. And so um, there's a group in Jamaica who are observing Nakambuka Day every November 11th. Now, I have a big information pack on it with factoids and um, data points and the, the, the large ceremony that folks can put together for it. And if anyone is interested in the whole packet, I I will definitely send it to you. Hit me up with email dealing with Nakambuka um, in the subject line, N-A-K-U-M-B-U-K-A, and um, I'll send the whole packet to you. But for folks who are just now hearing about it, They also have put together a small ceremonial piece for um, individuals or small groups. And so let me read that part into the record. It is also possible to observe Nakambuka Day at work by yourself or with a few others. If your work site will permit it, 
You can bring a white candle to work and even create a small red, black, and green liberation flag for display on your desk, workspace, or locker room. You can also bring a small container of ash, salt, and honey. Begin by lighting the candle in honor of your ancestors who died in the Ma'afa. Then you will say one Nakambuka. If you are by yourself, you, or with a couple of other individuals, you and they, can place some ash on your foreheads and each say a word on what it must have felt like for your ancestors to endure such a horror. This can be as simple as one adjective. You can display a small picture of a slave ship and just meditate on it for a minute or two. Once you have done this, you can taste the salt to remind you of what they endured. Then you by yourself or each of you can then say Nakambuka, which again is in Swahili it means I remember. Next, you can meditate on their courage and determination to survive the Maasa. If you want, if you want, each of you can then express your pride and wonder at their ability to have endured the Maafa in order for you to be here today. After that, each of you will take the honey and taste the itch to remind yourselves that we can survive the Maafa because those who came before us did. Then each person can say Nakambuka. Once this is done, you can rededicate yourself to another year of vigilance and a commitment that you will never let this happen again. Once I got let me repeat this. <laughs> Once this is done, you can rededicate yourself to another year of vigilance and to a commitment that you will never let that happen again to future generations. After this is done, you and or the other persons um, can either kiss the replica of the red, black, and green flag or just pass it around to be touched. Once that is done, you can say seven Nakambukas, and the ceremony is over for that year. So, again, um, if you want this whole packet, uh, please hit me up at Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301, at yahoo.com, and I can send it to you. Um, if you want more direct information, you want to talk to um, the brother who attended the conference and put together the ritual and everything, um, Baba Baye, Kesba Mayra, Pan African Associations, um, 2325, either through, well, folks don't use snail mail nowadays. Pan African Association, um, DB Kichwa, that's D as in dog, B as in boy, K I C H W A 2, at cox, C O X dot net, or you can hit them up. 619-582-7149 if you want more um, detailed information on how you um, as an individual or, or you as a group may want to perform Nakambuka Day. Um, or, again, like I say, I can send it to you. Hit me up at Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. We must remember our ancestors. We must remember the Ma'afa. Never forget. Never forget. And the shit hasn't stopped. 
it's, it's a lot more pernicious and and and, and devious now because it's it's all covert. Well, most of it is covert now. Um, but our ancestors went through some horrendous, overt, physical, in-your-face stuff. And I'm reading a book now, and there will be definitely one, if not two, shows on it called um, Africa, excuse me, American Uprising, um, dealing with the largest enslaved African revolt here in the U.S., um, 500 enslaved Africans. Um, got together in New Orleans In Louisiana And was about to take over the town And um, Unfortunately the revolt failed But uh, that That has been A Non Talked about Piece of our history up until This, this white boy um, has put together A whole book on it Um and so I, I commend him for the work that he's done on it. Um, it's a damn shame that that, that we didn't do it, um, but the information is out there now. Um, they heard about the success in Haiti, and because the Haitian the, the Haitian Revolution happened in 1804, and this um, revolt which was almost successful, happened in 1811, so a short seven years um, between the two. And who knows what could have happened if they would have succeeded. But from reading that book and, and almost completing it, it's just back again fresh in my head, the stuff that we went through during that time and making it applicable to what, what the hell we're still going through now. And so, again, that makes Nakambuka Day, I remember, um, even that much more relevant for me And um, in general It just should be for you all as well So please hit hit me up If you want more information about it Or just um, if you Listen to this archive Before next Thursday Maybe you can uh, do your own Personal ritual um, To remember our ancestors And rededicate yourself To making sure that everything you do Every day Somewhere, some shape, some form, will recommit yourself to what happened to our ancestors in the Maafu will never, ever happen again, now or for our future generations. Um, play another bit of music and get back and get on our topic. Are we wasting our time with the present masses' first approach to organizing?
the girls I write a rhyme Cause I didn't know all times of black men's time When I was young my mama told me stories Of black people's fight to bring us glory I used to think these were stories to put me to sleep But now I know mama's talk wasn't cheap I know Africa for Africans And history's the blood of every woman and man Now I begin another search The incredibly involved The incredibly difficult And incredibly frustrating search the incredibly involved, the incredibly difficult, and incredibly frustrating search trying to pull together the history of a people. Page one, page two, page three, and still no signs of me. Yeah, so I listened to the table of the contents. They wrote a little thing about us in the project. The only history we make is if we kill somebody, rape somebody, but other than that, we're nobody. Speaking like a brother living in the jungle. I know I was here first, but I've remained humble. Now it's time to rekindle the fire. A tribe of young brothers with the eye of the tiger. Acknowledge your own. We have a home. Put on this herb to live and roam. Christopher chose to explore. Discovered America. Yeah, sure. He thought the planet was square. Traveled many places, but we already had been there. We left tracks. Backtrack back. First civilization. You know where that was found at. Looking for the true black days of glory. But you're reading history. That's his story. Black for the blood and the black. Pro-black 
as the masses use it, does not address mental, mind, thinking changes that must occur. And the term pro-black sure as hell does not address the deeper cultural and spiritual changes that must occur. Pro-black just means taking ourselves as we are and hoping that some change miraculously happens. Now, African-centered, however, does address all these concerns, but only if we divorce the two terms and study a little bit more. Now, one of the better definitions of African-centered that's out there is in the masterwork African Personality in America by um, um, psychologist Dr. Kobe Cambon, um, page 213. African-centered, utilizing the history, culture, and philosophy of African people, the original people on the planet, as the frame of reference for organizing one's approach to reality, to survival, and understanding in the world. He even breaks it down a little bit further than that. The African-centered is the conceptual framework or conceptual orientation to reality, values, beliefs, definitions, rituals, customs, practices, etc., based on the history, culture, and philosophy of African people as a collective. So while pro-black just means all black folks helping all black folks as we are, now, now if, if you dig a little deeper and read what, um, what some other folks have, have put within pro-black, it can get a bit deeper, but I'm just talking about the way the masses use it. We tend to make pro-black and African-centered damn near the same thing, and it's not. African-centered is using our history, our culture, and our philosophy as the center point, as the foundation, as the grounding of our culture, of our being, of our reality experience, and then moving forward in the world like that. So we are looking at the world with African lenses. But to do that, we have to understand the philosophy of African people as a collective. We have to understand the the foundational cultural points of our traditional and classical African people as a collective and then use the best of those to move ourselves forward. So some study is involved in this. So when people mix up the two terms and just mix and mash, they're doing a disservice, and they need to go back and do some more studying. African-centered is a bit deeper, is a lot deeper, actually. It's about knowing our culture, knowing our philosophy, knowing our cosmology, and then using that for the present day and moving forward. If we know that a a major African value is seeing women in their proper positive light, then we use that for today, and we create our organizations like that, and we address the sisters and deal with the sisters like that. If we understand that um, 
the spirit reality is the primary reality within all traditional and classical African cultures, then we have to get back to that and use that as a thinking modality for ourselves today. We have to see spirit in everything. We have to be able to use the universe, which is spirit-filled, to help guide us in what we need to do. That's a big conceptual difference within what African-centered is and what pro-black is. And that's, that's, that's key and critical um, to make us a substance of changes. And and we're we're not getting deep into the culture. We're not getting deep into the philosophy. We just want to slap black on everything and take it as is. We don't want to change our behavior. Next week, if I get through everything now, next week I'm going to deal with the the second part of the description, the non-behavioral change, non-worldview change aspect of our organize of our organizing effort. We just want to take all black folks as they are, as they think, as they behave right now. We complain that that white folks are miseducating us every day and they've given us a different guide and we're learning all about their history and we're following their behaviors. We complain about that shit every day. But then we want to bring those same people in an organization that's called African and expect something African to come out of it when the individuals aren't open to transformation when the individuals aren't transforming themselves even within the group. And then we wonder why these organizations aren't working. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We cannot get collective change and transformation if we individually are not willing to change and transform ourselves. Presently, today, we are stolen Africans with Caucasoid minds, Caucasoid behaviors, and Caucasoid cultural and spiritual sentiments. And we will not create an African nation with these foreign and imposed minds, behaviors, and sentiments, period. I've heard too many blog talk shows where the callers or the hosts is talking about if we could just put the religion behind just put the beliefs behind, just put the worldviews behind, and let's just get together on shared oppression. Let's just get together on all of us being black. We have tried that. Y'all ain't looked at the history and studied it properly. This shit doesn't work. Amos, and I'm going to get into him next week, <laughs> Amos Wilson, Blueprint for Black Power, he spent the first eight chapters talking about what needed to be done before you even talk about money. He doesn't talk about the economic piece till hell, like chapter 13, chapter 14. <laughs> there was a specific reason why he did that. The consciousness has to be changed. That's a whole chapter. Our personalities have to be changed. That's a whole chapter. Our self-concept has to be changed. That's a whole chapter. We are not really willing to look at those aspects. We just want to get all black people together and get some money together and do some shit. No, it's not going to work, and it hasn't worked. That's the thing. It hasn't worked, but we want to keep doing it. Now, that was the introduction. Now, building from that, 
we're going to look at two areas within the pro-black and black nationalist camps that were stuck in the 60s in. Operational unity and solely waking the masses first. And then the other part of that is non-behavioral change and non-worldview change. So that second part, we'll probably deal with that next week, depending on how much of this I can get through. Now, let's see. Check in the chat room. All right. Thanks for your support. Hold up. Anybody else in the chat room that wants to get to be a part of this, the call-in number is 760-454-1111, 760-454-1111. Everyone that's on the computer, make sure you click the revolving books and all the other ads on the page. Even if you don't buy nothing, just clicking that, that helps your brother out. If you attend any nationalist pan-Africanist meeting, If you read any typical, quote-unquote, radical African-based literature, one quote stated over and over and over again will be something like mass organization and or we must wake the masses up or anything regarding this larger African community. Now, the origins of this mass-first approach are really unknown. Maybe it's an enslavement time carryover. On the plantations, we didn't have time for one-on-one transformation. All of us was catching hell. Excuse me. All of us was catching immediate physical hell, and it had to be alleviated. We couldn't even fathom rebuilding what we had just been taken away from in foreign lands. Excuse me. We knew rightly that we must destroy and disrupt the Caucasoid plans and, quote-unquote, get freedom freedom being real loosely defined in that instance. Now, perhaps this mass's first orientation started with the imposed church model of the early 1900s. One rarely mentioned point in, in, in one rarely mentioned point is that the masses of enslaved Africans in America didn't embrace this pedantic system of Christianity en masse until the 1900s. There, the tired and humorous Baptist preacher model, preaching to the lost flock, took first roots in our daily consciousness. Now, whatever the mass first ideology, it unfortunately still seduces mostly young activists, and it still seduces the um, 50, 60s, and 70-year-old aged activists who haven't had a new thought in two to three decades. So now, let's let's just imagine this now. The thrill of an auditorium packed with 100,000 buzzing African faces, the rush of being able to speak to them, stir up their emotions, have all of them lean in to hear you whisper an important point into the microphone. And all clap thunderously in unison when the apogee of the speech is perceived by all people there. The energy is electric, the feeling surreal. Images of Marcus, Malcolm, Farrakhan commanding a crowd comes to mind. We all want that rush, but how realistic is it, really? 
Marcus Garvey, one of, if not the greatest organizers of the 20th century Gregorian calendar. He massed probably 12 million Africans worldwide in a, ten, in a time span of roughly 10, 15 years. No other explicitly pro-black organization can claim numbers even close. While people want to duplicate that success in modern times, do we really ask ourselves, are the same dynamics in place now that were then during his time to give rise to the same process? We, Africans, were like 40, 50 years removed from physical slavery. Europe had created a global white war in which we participated in and were still treated unfairly during and after and were emotionally hurt by that experience. And the Caucasoid reality was more directly anti-African than it is today. Now, they still are anti-African today, but like I said earlier, it's highly covert, subtle, and goes undetected by the masses. Now, therefore, if these conditions are duplicated in, let's say, 2020, then perhaps another Garvey can rise and organize the lost flock for a time. However, the unspoken flaw to this mass first orientation is its lack of individual behavioral transformation. Let me repeat that. The unspoken flaw to this masses first approach to organizing is its lack of individual behavioral transformation. Now, the notion has been if you politicize or politically educate the masses and or you give them money, give them resources, all will be fine. Hence, Garvey's UNIA virtually became non-existent by the 40s. Let's say this more clearly. The movement of 12 million went to about 1,200 in about 20 years. Now, of course, outside of banning Garvey's Negro world, jailing its members, and socially ostracizing all sympathetic to the movement, what internal organizational components were missing that could not revive the movement shortly after Garvey's passing? For example, Two million African men show up to speak out about injustices and atone. In two years after that, roughly maybe 2,000 people still participate in it on any level annually, let alone in their individual communities as suggested in its declaration. Time and time again, an honest critique of our history will show us that the masses first model does not work. You get a large number of people hyped up for a period of time, but no change in behavior. You're just rallying around a cause, a traumatic event, an issue. But very shortly, very shortly afterwards, that hyped energy, that adrenaline rush dies out, and these masses revert back to their quote-unquote normal behavioral patterns, i.e., the Caucasoid reality that we all live in. So now up to this point, organizations have focused roughly 70% of their time, monies, and energies on awakening the masses. 
and 30%, and I'm probably being nice, probably more 80-20, but uh, I'll stick with 70-30, 30% on improving the lot of those within the organization. So now I have to ask, how are you going to help 60 million people when you don't even know the people you meet and organize with on a weekly or bimonthly basis? Where does one get the experiential know-how to manage, let's say, an educational plan for organization for 60 million people when that organization doesn't even have an operational after-school program to reorganize just the children within the said organization? Now, if we stay with this present 70-30 model, what infrastructure, what programs, what plans do we have for these masses? If let's say just one million of them overnight wake up. Remember that they were African going to rebuild our African nation. They come knocking at your door. Since you've only been using 30% of the resources to go into that effort of, of building up infrastructure and creating programs, that million people would eventually get restless and revert back to their quote-unquote normal behavior patterns i.e. the Caucasoid reality, because basically we would have nothing for them to do, nothing put in place for them, and no practical way of taking care of them. We have to flip this, y'all. 70% of our energy right now is based on 70 to 80 is waking up the masses, waking up the masses. But only 20 to 30% is actually involved in local group organizing and putting stuff in place for your local group, whether it be an after-school program if you got kids in that group, whether it's um, somewhere you go inside the schools and, and, and deal with kids in there, whether it's um, a tutoring program for individuals that might be going to, 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 to school or, or if you got kids, again, I'm not saying get rid of, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm not saying get rid of trying to awaken the masses, but we're spending too much damn time with that and not enough time, not nearly enough time, building plans, building infrastructure, building programs just for that said group so you can get the experiential knowledge to then be able to build and build and build. So, therefore, I suggest we flip this model. 30% of our time, energies, and monies go toward awakening the masses, and 70% is then used to improve the lot of those like-minded within said community or organization. With the focus off of the masses and placed properly on ourselves, then we can build the infrastructure properly to try and test all these damn theories that are out there, keeping what works and scrapping what doesn't. Then, when they publish their findings, they'll be speaking from 5, 10, maybe 20 years of actual experience versus from the theoretical posture, which unfortunately a majority of us do. In the 80s, excuse me, mid-80s, when, when um, the Afrocentric book explosion happened, excuse me again, hey. There was theory after theory after theory being put out there 
um, from Ron Everett's group, you've got the Kawita Theory, and then you've got um, and um, the, 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 uh, it's a real good book to heal the people. There's about five or six good theories put up in there, stuff like that. And um, um, Brother Kwesi Ron Hempatai Khan, you know, later in the 90s, he came up, well, 2000, I'm sorry, he came up with his um, Patasase 10 program. I don't see us using any of these programs, any of these theories, um, empirically testing what we're doing so we can check successes and failures and then tweak them, and then you've got statistical data for it, and then you can pass um, that information on to other people who want to try it, and then you can even scrap some stuff because you've actually tried it. Since so much of our energy is placed on awakening the masses and not enough energy placed into creating plans and infrastructures and programs, we are getting bombarded with theory after theory after theory, but we're not testing it out. We're not trying them out. We're not tweaking them to use them to transform. So by flipping the 70-30 focus, we will be creating the clean glass, our African nation, to juxtapose against the horrid, um, slime-filled, green, mucus-infested glass known as this Caucasoid reality. We will have tangible institutions to weigh against the Caucasoid ones. Presently, we only have abstraction, which may be one major reason why more Africans haven't come back home conceptually or behaviorally. Again, we have little to nothing to actually offer them. We have great sounding theories, we have great publications, great words on fucking paper, but we are not doing enough to actualize these theories, to test them out, to tweak them, to scrap what doesn't work, to make better what does work, and then pass that on to other folks so they can reduplicate it and move forward. By making this shift, we will have things in place. So, again, if that one million people, example, woke up overnight, we would have plenty for them to do. We would be able to take care of them. Um, and the break from Caucasoid reality back to what is more normal, natural, sane for them and for us, that break would be easier. Because once you've got stuff in place for your own organization and then more people start coming in, you've worked out some of the kinks. You've worked out, um, you know, personality differences. You've worked out some of those things. So then when more people come, you almost have a template on how to deal with these new people, um, you know, one at a time, three at a time, whatever, whatever like that. It gets a bit easier when 70% of your time is focused on inner organizational endeavors and only 30% is focused on waking up the masses. Because if the folks come, you'll have more for them to do at that point. Now, this conceptual leap is not saying, like I said before, totally forget the masses or don't have any outreach of consciousness transformation. I am saying that the scales are weighed too heavily in one direction that historically has no basis of lasting success. 
Now, why hasn't this been tried on a larger scale? And and don't get me wrong, there are families, communities, and organizations that are presently engaged in this 70-30 flip. But for the larger masses, why hasn't this been tried? This non-masses first approach doesn't come with the flair of 100,000 people waiting on your every word. You may get 120 people. Hell, you may get 20 people. But ideally, those will be the committed people, and you might not need a lot of pump-us-up and motivational speeches. They will be about doing the work. But the masses first approach, the reason why this alternative probably hasn't been done because it doesn't have that flair. Another reason that this non that this alternative to the masses first approach hasn't been tried in large scale is is actually doing the actual grunt work to nation building isn't as thrilling as rallying the masses. Buying buildings, fixing equipment, painting walls, fighting caucasoids on 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 inspections and licensing, etc., won't pull the crowds like renting the Marriott for a lecture with the top African-centered theorists there. Renting the Marriott for a lecture (laughs) with the top African-centered theorists there. I hope you're catching those words. We need 70% application, 30% theory. 70% doing, 30% talking. 70% building, 30% lecturing. Now, the third reason why this probably hasn't taken root and folks just stick with this masses first approach, it hasn't been tried because we've been duped into believing that information alone changes behavior. Therefore, if you just give right and exact information to 10 million people, those 10 million will do what's right and change their present company's ways because now they know better. I'm sorry. <laughs> we know that shit don't work. We've been putting this information out for how many years now, and, and you still have <laughs> people running off doing the Caucasoid thing. Again, because Caucasoids can feed them, they can house them, they can clothe them. We can do that too, y'all, but we have to take the emphasis off of just waking up folks and actually start building stuff, first for that organization or first for y'all in the community who's got your heads on right, and then expand. Real change happens when small groups, families, or small pockets within the organization learn information, and then each person applies it to their daily lives. Let me repeat that. Real change happens when small groups learn information and then each person applies it to their daily lives. They will then interact with others who are doing the same, and that's where the testing of the accuracy of the information comes in. It is at this level of application and interaction where folks find out what can be kept, what should be jettisoned, what can be tweaked, what should be thrown away. 
This area cannot be theorized. It must be lived for coherency. For example, one can have all the correct information about the fallacy of every word in the Bible and the non-historic sham called Jesus. But until one replaces that religious lie within their African spiritual truth, with their African spiritual truth, multiple levels of growth cannot be attained. It's only when you actually place a jingili or an altar in your house. It's only when you start interacting with it on a daily or weekly basis and then go to and experience and take part in rituals aligned with that cultural system do you really begin to know and feel what African spirituality is all about. Sitting back and watching others dance to the music for Nana Sergi B is 100% different from you getting into the sacred circle, dancing and interacting with Nana Sergi B. So they tell me I ain't going to finish. So we will pick this up next week. And we'll also get into this non-behavioral change, non-worldview change uh, aspect of organizing. Just getting everybody where they are, how they are right now, getting them into an organization, call it African-centered, and thinking we're actually going to create something African-centered that way. No, that organization has to be made up, especially in the beginning, of people who are already on the transformative path or who um, are willing to transform aspects of their lives and get back to an African base. Um, All this other rhetoric as far as getting taking them as they are, that's not going to work, especially in the beginning. So we're going to play the clothes and then, whoops, and then come back and talk a little bit more, if I can find the clothes. Abidi Fahodier, Total African Liberation. Oh. They lock me out. I'm sorry, we're having technical difficulties here. Um, oh man, ouch! Okay, my switchboard just died on me. Gee, thanks, blog talk. Wow, and you get to play my clothes. Wow. Um. Okay, so let's roll with it. So basically, you cannot theorize interaction. You have to become involved and interact to have um, interaction. Uh, Unfortunately, we have, up until now, opted for the easy way out. With the masses first approach, you don't get your hands dirty. To some, you can hide behind the strong rhetoric, and when questioned, you can always fall back on the failed mental state of the masses excuse. So now what great circular logic is that? You talk about building to wake up the masses, but you won't build because the masses aren't awoke. You you, 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 you get that? Let, Let me go back. 
With the masses first approach, you don't get your hands dirty. To some, they can hide behind a strong rhetoric, and then when you question them, they can always fall back on the failed mental state of the masses. So you talk about building to wake up the masses, but you yourself or you as a group won't build anything because the masses aren't awoke. And and, and and you stay in that wheel constantly, and so you that's your excuse to keep putting out theories to wake up the masses, and then what, what's the number? How many folks have to be, quote, unquote, awake before you then go ahead and build something and do something? The masses' first approach has not worked, y'all. Folks are talking about when the revolution comes. Um I hate to tell y'all, but the shit ain't stopped since 1440. <laughs> since 1440, when they first, and it's probably even been longer than that, but I'll just use quote unquote modern times. The first Portuguese came into Africa about 1442, and we can even go back to the Arabs. But but if we want to just focus on the Caucasoids that presently got us effed up, especially here in America, that started in 1442. And it's almost 2011, both their Gregorian calendar. When the revolution comes, really? But see, you don't get to 1442 if you just focus on when 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 Cousins brought us over here. And even 1619 isn't a correct date. We were brought here in 1526, but we rebelled and got away and hooked up with the Seminole, the, the Seminole quote unquote Indians. Um, what was that, North Carolina, Florida, somewhere like that, and um, escaped. But now the, the the textbook reason why we don't hear about 1526 is because, well, that was brought over by, those stolen Africans were brought over by the Spanish. But since America was conquered by Britain, we just want to focus on the British folks that brought us over. And when they brought us over, that was 1619. So we just want to talk about the first 20 in Jamestown, Virginia. Now, that's the textbook answer. The real answer why they don't want us to know about 1526 is because we whooped their ass and we left. We whooped their ass and escaped. We whooped their ass and got out of the enslavement system. That would not be a good legacy to start enslavement on. They want us to focus on 1619, because they had us 20 beat down, broken down, and I probably, I'm sure if I did some digging and research, even they fought, but at least the, what's put out there is that those first 20, they didn't, you know, they just had us and, and we followed the script and did whatever, whatever. But if they had us focus on 1526, that might put more of a thing in our head of fighting and rebelling and and. and we actually escaped. We actually, like I said, hooked up with the Seminoles. And for anyone who want to verify that, uh, Maroon Societies by Richard Price. He, 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 and he's quoting Herbert Apdecker, um, Great Negro Slave Revolt. So that information is there. But, again, I asked a teacher about this, and he said the reason why they don't talk about that was because the Spanish brought them over. And I'm like, I don't focus on just America. I am a stolen African, so therefore I look at the totality of African history. 
And if we want to talk about Caucasoid invasions in the quote-unquote modern time by being a stolen African, I have to look at when the first one of us was taken out of Africa, when that first invasion happened. And that's 1442. That's, that, that, that's almost 200 years before it is 1619. So I'm, I don't just focus on when the first of us was brought over here to, to this dungeon called New to this dungeon that Mama Rimba calls New Europe. I'm, I'm a pan-Africanist, and we're stolen Africans. And wherever Africans were taken to, that's where I'm looking at. That's my starting point. Not no damn 1619, but I'm digressing. So folks are talking about when the revolution comes, my brother, but they provide nothing for once the revolution is over, what then? The revolution is going on now. It hasn't stopped, and we will end it by the slower but culturally more coherent, one-by-one extraction behavioral process of the 70-30 split. For those who saw the movie Sankofa, towards the end of it, what did that elder in the Maroon community say? We will get you one-by-one if we have to. Now, I know folks don't like to hear that because that's going to be slow and it's going to take years and years and years. But guess what? They didn't get us to this point overnight either. And and when you do it one by one and when you do it ten by ten, you, small groups, vanguard groups, that is what has historically worked. This getting 2,000, 8,000, 1 million folks all at once with the present mindset and the present worldviews intact as it is, and then you a small group too. So let's say you get a million people, and then they down for re-Africanizing. Do we then would then would we have enough manpower to be able to properly re-educate all these people in a short amount of time? And again, we see that the answer is no, due to the failure of the Million Man March, because what was in the declaration was. Take this energy and take the information back to your local communities, and then all the people that came here, go back, hook up in the local communities, and then organize and then do stuff. But for folks to gather in the first place, it was based off of the hyped energy, and that shit eventually died out, and so either folks didn't go back and deal with the local organizing committees, or if they did, the energy eventually petered out. So it has to be based off of something different to get um, to get these numbers. And instead of starting with large numbers and see them dwindle, like it has, like historically it has been, you start off small with a committed group, and then find, and then you can create more numbers that way. And then from doing the work and from placing the clean glass our reality next to this dirty glass causes our reality. Folks will see it. And people want to come home. I talk to folks every day, and, and you hear them complain about, goddamn white man and, and this crazy culture and this stuff. And they, we, we complain. 
But a lot of folks, since we have nothing else, we stick with what's quote-unquote working or what seems to be working. So those of us who call ourselves conscious, that call ourselves African-centered, that use all these different titles, we have to be about building. 70% of our energy has to be put into building something. Create an organization, create a program, get it to work for your organization pretty well, and then start advertising to the larger community. Then start sharing it with other individuals who you think may be of like mind. And and have you'll have some stuff for them to do. And then once they see the works, once they see the buildings, once they see whatever it is, they'll be more likely to come on board, and more people will be likely to come on board. And that's how you get a million. But then it's a strong million versus getting a weak million and hoping to keep that million. It hasn't worked, and it will not work. So now that I've alienated (laughs) everyone here, um, lost my few last remaining friends, um, these Last people who are listening, if you see any wisdom in this, uh, please spread this show to like-minded people so we can actually progress out of this mess and rebuild our African greatness. This, the present way has only proven limited to little success, and we need a lasting victory. Do you want your children's 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 children to be having this exact same discussion? Or do you now want to do, create something that hopefully will last until they are here or at least provide them with a historically different vision than what we're giving out right now? I will be damned. (laughs) I will be so pissed off as an elder or as a jegna or whatever, as an older person. If, if if my son, if my daughter is going to a conference or if my grand, let's even make it worse, if my granddaughter or my grandson is is going to a conference entitled, what should we call ourselves, black, African, African-American, Negro, I, we need to solve some of this shit, y'all. Right now, today, so then the future generations don't have to go back over it again. We 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 have to get some of it squared away, so the future generations don't have to redo it all over again. So let's create more African-centered newspapers and magazines instead of only or 70% of our time complaining about the anti-African coverage we get in the Caucasoid papers. Let's create more African-centered independent schools instead of only or 70% of the time complaining about the de-education and miseducation that's happening in Caucasoid institutions. Let's create more African-centered... Excuse me. Let's create more African-centered spiritual centers instead of only or 70% of the time complaining about the um, the lie called Jesus, Islam, 
the Islam lie, um, the bankrupt and immoral churches and mosques, etc. Let's be about 70% actual reactionization and only 30% theorizing about it. All right. Since the switchboard died on me and <laughs> the damn technical difficulty, <laughs> the damn technical difficulty didn't let me play my end or anything else. Um, I apologize for that. But next week we'll do part two, and we're going to look at um, this false notion that you don't have to change, you don't have to want to change your behavior, you don't have to want to change your worldview, just come on in as you are right now in the beginning, and let's create an African nation. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that we we won't take people as they are. First, that will be after the organization is already set up, already established, already running. Then you create programs to deal. You're still going to be creating programs to deal with transforming behaviors and thinking and stuff like that. So then, yeah, you can take some anybody. I mean, Elijah Muhammad, Nation of Islam, they took, you know, drug dealers, pimps, prostitutes, cleaned them up. They had programs in place to clean them up, change their behaviors, change their worldviews, and at least in the 60s and 70s, um, you saw those numbers grow, um, especially with um, Baba Omawali, under Baba Omawali's um, leadership, or y'all call him Malcolm X, but his African name was Baba Omawali. Um, they had, you know, programs set in place to change behaviors and change the worldview and then move forward as a collective group. Right now, when I read a lot of stuff and I listen to these damn blog talk shows, folks don't even want to change behavior and change transformation. Excuse me. Don't even want to change behaviors, change consciousness, change worldview. Just all come on in, and because we're black and we've been oppressed, we want to create an organization and do something. It, it, it hasn't worked, and it's not going to work. You need – people need to already – know that something's wrong, and they're just seeking how to change, and that's where they come into an organization that's set up based on some specific parameters, and then they can move in and work out that change within themselves, or they're already changing. And so then they, they find out about the organization, and then they, they work the program within their individual and family selves. And then... As as y'all get steam, as y'all get rolling, as a few more folks come, then you start creating programs on how to transform the behavior of the masses from the present Caucasoid one to strong African man, strong African woman. That's how it's done. <laughs> That's how it's done. And so hopefully if I get into it, pull out some Amos Wilson, um, what he has to say about consciousness, what he has to say about some of the good things that the nation did. And then I'm also going to bring in some information about the maroon communities because the successful maroon communities specifically did certain things that engendered success. 
And when they deviated from those specific things that engendered success, they failed and collapsed. So that's why if you really listen to me, I say the successful maroon groups, because all of them were successful. We had a whole bunch of maroon groups, (laughs) but some of them failed and got co-opted. And there was some specific stuff that they did that led to their co-optation and failure. And unfortunately, we want to follow that model. No, 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 no. Not on my watch. <laughs> Get us to look at the successful ones and what did they do and and, and, and and how can we reduplicate that. So that's next week. Madasi, for all those who were in the chat room, Madasi um, to all those who downloaded the shows, um, but I see to all those who are listening live, uh, make sure when you're on the computer and you go to the, my page, click at, click all the ads, click the books and the ads and everything that helps the brother out. Um, if you got questions about the show, things like that, um, you can hit me up my email, Kamau301, K-A-M-A-U, 301 at yahoo.com. Um, if you want reminders about when the shows happen, um, when you go to my front page, blogtalkradio.com slash out 301 you'll see a little heart. You want to hit the heart, that's the, um, you, you, you will make this show a favorite. And upon doing that, then you will get weekly updates on, on when the next show is coming up. Um, a few folks have said, well, I didn't know you were still doing the show because you used to send out emails in the beginning. Well, I sent out emails in the beginning because that was the beginning. <laughs> and if you once you favorite the show, then it's all set up within Blog Talk. They will send you emails letting you know uh, when the show is, with links to click right to it, and what the topic is and all of that. Um, so, yes, um, thanks again for everyone that's listening, and we'll continue to listen and we'll download the archives of this. And next week... We will continue this looking at behavior and worldview transformation. And to go back real quick to the beginning, if anybody wants more information on the um, Nakambuka Day celebration that will be happening um, this Thursday, November 11th, uh, please hit me up again at my email, Kamau301, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. I can send you the, the, the whole packet of information. Um, it's probably too late now to do a whole group thing, but what I did read into the archives at the beginning of the show was stuff that you could do individually, um, have an individual ritual um, to, to to commemorate the day to Nakambuka, to remember um, our ancestors who who um, suffered and, and died in the Ma'afa, which got us over here. Um, if other people who are our enemies who suffered for maybe five, six years can say, never forget, never again, we definitely have the right and the obligation for suffering at least 200, at least 400, more closer to 600, and if we really want to go all the way back to Kemet, 
baskets have been invading us for three, about 3,500 years. If we take it all the way back to Kemet, Africa has been invaded by foreigners for 3,500 years. I mean, just think about that. <clears throat> we, we, we just focus, you know, on, on modern times. Again, 1442, when the the Portuguese came in. If you want to go back to the Arab invasion, 639, even, you know, even a little bit before that, actually, when they came and took over all of North Africa. But if you want to look at the totality of African history, which is our history, we, that, that first invasion, and um, what Dr. Clark and Chester Williams talk about, 1675 BCE, we're looking, Gregorian calendar, we're looking at 3,500 years of interrupted African reality by foreigners. When you look at it in that context, then you can understand why we are so effed up here in America. Then you can see why we are so effed up in Brazil and effed up in Australia and effed up wherever we are on the planet. We, for the last close to 4,000 years, we have not really had a chance to be African again. Now, again, this last 4,000 years is still a blip of time in our total history of about 300,000 years on the planet. But since it's the most recent period of time, that's why we look at it and focus on it. Um, but that that helps put more of what's going on to us in context. First invasion about 3,500 years ago. Then the, later, after, you know, a whole bunch of invasions, then the Arabs come in about 639, 640. And then the Caucasoids came in, 1442. And neither the Arabs or the Caucasoids have left. <laughs> and they shipped a lot of us out. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so don't let folks trip you up with, well, how come Africa can't get this shit together? How come Africa, stolen Africans can't get this? We haven't had a chance yet to regain our sanity. We have constantly been under attack by foreign motherfuckers. That's why this reafrinization message is so key and critical. We have to get back to ourselves. We have to get back to a point of African sanity. And, and 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 we have to get these foreign cultures, foreign ideas, foreign realities, foreign spirits out first out of our individual selves, then out of our collective selves, and then out of our damn nations. But again, it starts back with that individual piece. And it goes back to how do you properly organize the masses? Excuse me. Yeah. How do you properly organize the masses? You properly organize them by going through and getting them in small groups, small pockets. And from those small groups and small pockets, you build to a mass. Getting the masses first has not worked, and we need to change Kamal McCasey Tahuti, Africa's Reascension. See you next week. Abibi Fahodier.
total African liberation.